It's Randalicious. Welcome to the SEO Rant. I am your host, Morty Overseer. You might know me better as Wix's head of SEO branding, but I will remind you that this podcast has nothing to do with that. This is pure unofficial Morty Magic and Morty Mania. Where can you find the SEO Rant? You're listening right now, so wherever you found it this time, just find it again. But just to be formal, at the SEORant.com, at SEORant on Twitter, on Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever great, mediocre, terrible podcasts are found. If you don't know where to find podcasts, just Google, where do I find podcasts? And you'll find a whole list of platforms that you can find podcasts on. Anyway, enough about that. Oh, wait, I forgot. When do new episodes come out? Weekly on Thursdays. Usually it does make sense to subscribe, but this is not my full-time job. It's not my job at all. Um, if I don't have time, I don't put in an episode. So just subscribe. And if you don't see it pop up, like, hey, there's a new episode, then there's not a new episode. So easy schmeasy. Anyway, for your listening pleasure, he is the lead SEO at iloveseo.com. Great content on there. I talking about this before we joined, uh, started the podcast. Like, I have a piece of content from that website bookmarked as support that subfolders and subdomains are not as different for SEO as you might think. He is Brian Harnish. Thank you for joining. Thank you for having me, Morty. It's a pleasure to be here. I am, again, I really appreciate you having that content. It was a hangout session, I think, from John Mueller talking about subfolders, subdomains, and the differences and not differences. And I've used that when people give me a hard time about my take on subdomains and subfolders. So thank you. Always a pleasure to have some uh, bookmarkable content. There you go. So if, please, I love SEO.com. Plug away. Yes. So uh, with uh, iloveseo.com, I'm the lead SEO, and we are a huge, huge resource uh, up and coming. And we've been uh, in full operation for just over a year now. And we have probably close to 450 articles on the site on just on SEO, John Mueller updates, and all that good stuff. No fluff, no filler. Just the good stuff. Definitely check it out each morning. Check out what's the latest. All right. Um, today, we're talking about site audits, which is always a fun topic to talk about. So, Oh, I love it. I love <laughs> site audits. <laughs> <laughs> That's good because you chose the topic. <laughs> um, what are we talking about in specific today about site audits? With, uh, with site audits, I, it's uh, up to you, Morty. Ask, ask away. Ask away? Um, favorite tool for site audits or favorite tool for site audits. Um, I have two screaming fog and site bulk. Ooh. Okay. Why two? Because there are a couple of different reasons. Screaming fogs lets you really dive deep. Both of the tools lets you dive deep into the details and screaming Fog with uh, one of my favorite aspects of Screaming Fog is really diving deep into website structure, the uh, types of errors that that really don't show up as errors. Things like uh, trailing slashes not being being correct. Um, Other things like 200 okay pages that may not have content in them, stuff like right, that. Right, right. Obviously, some, sometimes you have to use a formula in Excel to find a couple of those errors. But really, for the most part, Screaming Frog is incredibly accurate. So is Sightbulb. Also, um, if I am in a hurry, as far as an audit would be concerned, looking at Sightbulb does tend to give you a good overview of the issues that may be present on the website. And you can do it quickly, get into Sightbulb, 
maybe say, hey, these are, there are a couple of errors here. Go back into Screaming Frog, look and see just to verify and do the deeper dive after doing that. So they really work well together. Interesting. Um, Content King, because we're just running through the tools now. Thoughts? Because I, I, I was um, a big fan. I, I am a big fan, as I was. I am a big fan of Content King. I like the automatic updates you get from them. It's really different. It's unique. Do you use Content King? Recommend I have it? not used Content King yet. Ah. So. There's always, by the way, I haven't used Sightbulb yet. There's always like a tool that you never used yet. I've seen Sightbulb. I've seen some of the cool things they do with the mapping the things out, which I've always wanted to dive into. Have a yeah, subscription. You're really like, good at mapping things out because you yeah. get a really good surface level overview at the beginning to really kind of see, okay, what are the real actual problems of the site? Then you can dive deeper as opposed to Screaming Fog where you have it's all just, the others of fun and right. you kind of have to... Uh, kind of have to, unless you're, you've been doing side audits for a while, you kind of have to guess at where you want right. to dive into first. That's but my, unless you have a process in place and efficiencies. That's sort of my next question, because there's so many different kinds of tools when it comes to site audits, right? All of the main SEO tools, you know, like SEMrush, they have their own version of a site audit. I'm thinking like, for example, so Wix recently, we uh, created a deep crawl app. It's not the full on deep crawl program, but it gives you a nice little look at your site. So how deep do you have to go and how does that depend on the site that you're, you're dealing with? Because it is greatly dependent on the site you're dealing yeah. with. So for example, sites that are basically done by part-time bloggers, for example, may only have a couple hundred pages and they might, uh, they might uh, take a few hours to really honor the issues. Right. I also use SDM much. I love some much. Semrush, sorry, I ah. love Semrush's uh, SEO audit tool um, as well because it does uh, the similar thing to uh, to Sitebulb. You have uh, kind of like an an errors panel that comes up immediately, and it does provide efficiency that way. So it really depends on what the site is, what niche you're in, and where you want to go with that audit. And yeah. you can really kind of do things fairly quickly from that vantage point when you have that initial eagle-eyed view. Yeah, and there's the, it's, it's it's funny because there's so many different ways you can go. With it. You usually hear like you know the hardcore SEOs, you know, like, you know, uh, talking about Scream, screaming frog is like always the one everyone talks about. But if you're new or if you're a small site or you're trying to do this on your own, so something that's a little more visually oriented will kind of help you. Now the downside of some of the tools that are like that is you'll get errors or warnings and people crap on this all the time. And I think you have to understand I, I personally is that when you're creating one of these tools and you're trying to help people who don't know SEO or are new to SEO or just getting started in SEO and you're trying to give them some direction, you're going to include things in there that you as a hardcore SEO or some of the more experienced would be like, whoa, why is it in there? Like for example, so like some of the tools will put in there are low uh, HTML to uh, code ratio, which I've had that come up with people. I'm like, it's really annoying. Like, look, it's just what it, the site that you're using and whatever you have going on with your site, you're still going to get a bunch of code. It's, it's not a problem. Your page is not thin. And good. John Mueller's talked about this. Like it's not an actual thing, but the tools, sometimes right. the auditors do throw that in there. And that's a hard thing to balance. And it's a hard thing. What do you do with that? Like if you're, if you're talking to a brand new SEO, 
and you're saying, okay, like, you know, maybe don't go with the screaming frog or deep crawl. It's a little bit too overwhelming. Go with something like SEMrush or one of the other tools in their inbuilt site audit. They're going to get a lot of things that they don't really have to fix. Yes, that is correct. So things minor stuff, like something like an HSTS issue for HTTPS implementation, stuff like that. <laughs> well, um, don't touch the that server. is not going to affect ranking, but it can impact things like the technical implementation itself. So on the one hand, you have an error where it's probably not going to do anything with rankings at all, but it will impact the accuracy of your HTTPS installation. So it's really just, it's a matter of knowing what is really going to be more impactful and creating a strategic initiative based on that. So uh, one other example, the code to text ratio that you mentioned, it's really not uh, as much about the ratio of words to actual code. It's more about bad development best practices. So say for example, you have a, you have a, specific situation where you have a whole bunch of code, right? And there are 135 scripts that are being pulled in DOM. And so as in order just to render the page, that's going to affect the overall core web vitals as a result of those specific issues. So it's um, not only the resources that are being loaded on the page, but how they're coded. So like modern developers don't know all the time that for the most part, you're supposed to let the browser do a lot of the heavy lifting, a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of that code. And that can help you reduce the amount of code that is needed to accomplish specific things when it comes to rendering a website. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, which is, which is funny because, you know, whatever, that's a whole, whole other story, but people, I think don't want to let's just dive back for one second on that point. I don't think people appreciate how much goes into the, these things in the back end, right? So things loading in the DOM, right? Dynamic, dynamic rendering or server-side rendering versus client rendering. That's a whole, whole, whole area of SEO that I don't think people talk enough about, or maybe they do talk no. about, it's really complicated. Yes, that is true. There are also different types of uh, configurations like a headless CMS that yep. can potentially help um, help with uh, core web vitals and page speed. But if you don't pay attention to other parts of SEO with that implementation, it can tank your rankings fast. So, yep. Okay, let's talk about core like, web vitals for a second. Uh, I'm sorry. Yes, no, you, okay, you, two things. Okay. Uh, one, more, one, one thing, actually, I do want to get the point across is that just uh, blindly going after something like say, oh, I heard somebody say that a uh, headless CMS is going to be the best thing for SEO. But if it is, if you have a situation where you're working on content on another another part of that site. And what happens is that you're rolling all of the all of the URLs into one and you're getting rid of a bunch of content, that's gonna tank your rankings faster when the <laughs> implementation is launched and you're never gonna know, um, or rather you you'll you'll see immediately that the rankings are going to tank because you ended up deleting a whole bunch of content that was actually helping the site. And if that happens, then well, then the headless CMS is not going to have any effect in improving those rankings. It's okay. So it's funny. I can talk about CMS for a second. So that was a while ago where my, my first stint at, at Wix, where someone gave me a, like a hard time about, you can't change, you know, you can't configure the server with Wix. 
and it was on Twitter. And John Mueller probably didn't like, why would you want to touch the server? Don't don't touch that. Unless you're an actual expert doing that, you probably don't want to touch that. So people here like, yeah, hell the CMS or this or that, whatever. And it's almost like, yeah, it's all the kid, it's all the cool kids are doing. But like, does that actually fit who you are in your site? Exactly. Maybe not. Maybe exactly. not. Yeah. So you get them in big exactly. trouble. I mean, you lock yourself out. You could go literally yeah. lock yourself out of everything. Exactly. That's why it's so dangerous to really go after something that all the cool, cool kids are doing. But if you don't consider this, this, and this, then it's just going to be a disaster. Yeah. I mean, and first of the cool kids are doing well now because they're cool. Because, like, for their particular situation, it works. So, whatever. Like, yep. that's, that's a side point. Core Vitals, which are now part of everybody's site audit experience. Yep. Okay. Why, I, devil's advocate. Why do I care? Doesn't really impact my ranking. I'm not in a super competitive niche. It's not like, you know, I'm ABC News or CNN and it's got to be super fast. We have the same content. That's going to be the difference maker. With the, with the sites that are super fast already, you're probably not going to see as much of a difference in core web vitals when you're implementing. But that depends on what you're implementing. If you have pages that have one meg images per page that it has to download, if you compress all those images as a result of Core Web Vitals optimization, then yeah, you're going right. to see a significant improvement as a result of that because the browser has to have has to take less time processing and rendering the page as a result of those improvements. But if we're talking about um, something small, right? Like say if you have, like say if you have maybe one or two resources that are 100k in size or something something uh, something uh, smaller like that right doing some optimization in that regard is well it's probably not going to provide as much of a benefit so it's a prioritization system where you have to weigh as well if the client is that you're working with needs a prioritization system you have to prioritize exactly what is going to provide that boost as opposed to just randomly reporting on changes. It's all about making sure that you work with the client in a way that they're comfortable with, and it's also going to provide those, those results. And that kind of thing does tend to come with more experience. For example, the, another perfect point, you may have scripts on the site that are minification scripts that are actually minifying the code that would be pointless to remove anyway. But if you can remove those, and use a developer to manually compress all of that, all of those files and code into one file, as opposed to all those many files, then that may be a better way to go. Yep. Um, okay. So I have a hot take on core, on core vitals. And I, I know for SEOs, like it's not like what you want to hear, but to me, core vitals, it's look, it's called a page experience update. Cause it's about the experience on the page. It's not really, don't worry about your rankings. I mean, don't worry about your rankings. It's about users. It's about user experience, about people not bouncing, yep. people not not um, abandoning their carts. It's the same thing with like broken links. So you do a site on broken links. Let me fix that for SEO purposes. Yeah, also just fix it because you don't want your user having to go through a broken link. Right, exactly. And also as well with Core Web Vitals, the, the, and the, it's where you have these situations that can improve rankings because of such of the, such of the amount of improvement improved the quality of the site overall from what it was before. It could have been a mess with all these types of issues affecting so many pages, but as a result, 
of the Core Web Vitals improvements, you make them and the rankings are going to shoot up. So that's where the Core Web Vitals are going to make the biggest impact in those situations. So last question before we got to wrap it up because of time. What's your preference? What's your tool of choice when auditing for Core Web Vitals? For Core Web Vitals, I do like uh, Lighthouse, uh, Google PageSpeed Insights, nice. and yeah. those two would be the, the big ones. So you don't use so any of the integrations all the other tools have with the Core Web Vitals, you're just, you're just going there, right to Google. There are several things that Screaming Frog reports on, for example. Like it will report on large images. It will report on pages that take too long to load if you have the uh, particular data access from uh, Google Analytics and Google Search Console, for example. So um, a lot of that is very useful in finding weaknesses in Core Web Vitals, but I find that the the PageSpeed Insights report, Lighthouse, those types of reports, they do provide hints that are yeah. that are invaluable from an auditing perspective. But as well, until recently, um, uh, I would have always used uh, I've always used a tool like WebPageTest.org. Um, uh, they have recently uh, reconfigured their interface, and it's kind of like it's probably a little more difficult to use as a result of that, but. Um, but still, it does provide critical uh, critical graphs that are easy to access at first at the very first instance where you take a look at the waterfall of things loading on the site and you see the waterfall data. That is useful. That is still a little. Uh, that is still useful for pinpointing errors. But it's something where I would not include it in a client report simply because it's really not like the older version. Right. Yeah, I love the waterfall part. It's very colorful. Uh, <laughs> but it's the uh, it's it's more about uh, being a, being able to pinpoint exactly what's going on with the site in terms of inefficient loading, and getting those errors corrected to the point to where you don't have those issues anymore. Makes a lot of sense. And on that note, Brian, where can people find you? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Brian Hunish. And you can also find me on uh, iloveseo.com and as well as the iloveseo.com, that would be at iloveseo.com uh, Twitter account. And you can, uh, you can find me there. We share articles daily on SEO and everything related to SEO. So um, you'll, you should never be bored with our content. <laughs> thank you, Brian. And to the great audience who's listening, thank you for tuning in. Oh, We're one more time. One oh, more yeah. thing. I'm sorry. Go one for one it. more thing before we go, Morty. We also have an, uh, our own uh, uh, SEO audit template that Ooh. you can go to and uh, download off the site if you want to. Just put in your name and email and you'll be able to, have to go into the landing page and you'll be able to download that if you want to, to check out our very own audit template. Do me a favor. Send me the link to that and I'll throw it in the show notes. Yes, absolutely. We'll do Appreciate that. And thank you for listening. Where can you find the SEO rant? Told you already. You're already listening. Just find out where you found it the first time. But again, uh, SEORant.com and wherever you consume podcasts, like you know, like iTunes, those kind of platforms. Um, anyway, new episode next Thursday, hopefully. Until next time, toodles. Adios.